send these Cretans to our base in the Kratoa Nebula for further interrogation. Something tells me this is only the beginning. Hey there, Aqualad. Hello, Robin. Sweet moves out there. I do what must be done. Now, uh, excuse me. There is an emergency in the SN-1885 quadrant that needs my attention. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, I'll probably head out there, too. What? On your way to a pie-eating competition? What's that supposed to mean? Did someone say pie? I love pie! When I say I want, you say... Not now! What? I did not wish to say anything, but you and your team have brought nothing but shame to all real superheroes. The Teen Titans are a disgrace. Hey, 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 you are way off base, buddy. There's no difference between our teams. We may do things a little differently, but we're both just trying to take down the bad guys. Is that right? Superheroes are supposed to inspire hearts and teach valuable lessons about friendship and life. We do that? What? Lessons like books can be dangerous? Or what is better, burgers or burritos? You are a mockery of everything the world holds sacred about heroes. Come on. What is so bad about being a little silly from time to time? I am all for a good laugh, but the Teen Titans cannot be serious for one single moment. Good day. But I said good day. Okay. Good talk, Aqualad. Yep. We'll catch up later. Welcome to the Carefree Black Nerd Podcast, a conversation about representation in comics and related media. I am your host, Rain Coleman, and this issue we will be discussing Calderam. Now, if you're new here, thank you for tuning in. As I said, this show is about discussing characters of color in comics, specifically blacks, but people of color and uh, at media at large so if you like this sort of thing please be sure to hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast app so you'll get those notifications and you can listen in whenever i drop an episode um be sure to share on your social media as well use that hashtag cbn pod i do want to make this a conversation shout out to your friends who may not be as comic savvy as you clearly are for listening to this episode All right, guys. Now, Calderam, Calderam, Calderam. I'm going to probably say his name a bunch of different ways <laughs> because if you don't know, I butcher all the names all the time. Now, why does this person matter? What? Why should we give a good gosh darn <laughs> about Calderam? Well, uh, with the popularity of comic books and TV shows now firmly and sternly (laughs) cemented in the general public's consciousness this has been like of course for the past decade or so we have seen so many adaptations of storylines and characters on like the big screen the small screen the streaming screen and even though we do have calderam we've seen him in animated version it has only been in the comics and in the animated version he's a relatively new character um, Calderam, or Aqualad as he's more tactically known, is in himself intersection. Now, he is, okay, so he's Atlantean, he's black, he, um, uh, visibly, visibly he is black. Um, his father is, like, one of the biggest, if not the big bad, of the Aquaman universe. Um, he's a meta, he's queer, he identifies as a gay man, so... There you have it. Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, with this being Pride Month, of course, you know, fist in the air, <clears throat> shout out and go Pride and all that good stuff to Calderon. Now, he is, um, like I said, represented in the comics and the cartoons. But I just think that with the amount of energy that's being poured into comic properties, why not make him a staple in live action? Um, once I go through this lesson, one thing I want you guys to keep in your mind is I want to get your answer towards the end or, or at any point throughout this, uh, this, this, uh, episode. What do you think about Calderon? Do you think that he should be in the DC live action universe? And if so, who would you get to, uh, to cast as him? So keep that in mind as I'm going through this, uh, lesson of sorts. Now, Calderon is one of two fictional superheroes 
who have been codenamed Aqualad. This is, of course, in DC Comics. Now, the first Aqualad was Aquaman's teen sidekick. This version debuted in 1960. His name was Garth, like Garth Ennis, Garth, G-A-R-T-H. He was a mutant outcast from Atlantis who joined up with Robin, Wonder Girl, and Kid Flash as the crime-fighting teen titans. Now, after some time, Garth graduated to become Tempest, who was more magically based in his power set. So that's the original uh, Aqualad. So we're not going to focus on him. He is, uh, for all intents and purposes, a white character, and that's not what this is about. Now, the character Calderon was created by Brandon Vietti. Uh, and Brandon Vietti is, uh, well, Calderon was created by a few different people. I'm kind of going to list them there. So Brandon Vietti, he is an animator, director, and producer. Uh, he developed and co-produced the animated television show Young Justice. That's where uh, Calderon appeared. Uh, he did this with Greg Wiseman. Now, uh, Vietti also worked on a bunch of different other animated projects for DC Comics and for Warner Brothers. He was a director for The Batman uh, and the Batman Brave and the Bold. He directed every third episode. So, I mean, that should speak for itself. Um, also, he did work on the Batman. I'm sorry, the work he did on the Batman won him an Emmy. And that was back in 2006. Um, he also directed the animated film Lego DC Comics. Excuse me. Lego DC Comics Superheroes Justice League versus Bizarro League. Like, come on. Like if that ain't if that ain't no uh no good uh uh indication as to Calderon coming from good stock then I don't know what it is. Now he was also created by Greg Wiseman, who is a writer of comic books. Um, he uh, does animation and novels as well, and he's best known for his animated series. Come on, listen to this, guys. Gargoyles. Come on. If you don't know about gargoyles, I don't know what to tell you. Mutants were my introduction into comics at large from what I can remember. But Gargoyles, bruh, let me tell you. Those of you too young, please go on YouTube, search Google, Bing, Yahoo, whatever you got to do. Gargoyles was a freaking soap opera, a drama, a true crime show that was packaged as a cartoon with like the supernatural. That was... Mm, 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 mm. So yeah. So he's best known for Gargoyles, uh, The Spectacular Spider-Man, and of course, Young Justice. Now, Calderon was also created by a Phil Borasasa. Borasa. Borasa. B-O-U-R-A-S-S-A. <laughs> so forgive me for butchering that name. Uh, and then, okay, so for the television series Young Justice, that's where he was created. And he was voiced by Kari Payton. Now this, everyone who I've mentioned, who I've mentioned already were... Eh, white man uh Kari Payton however is not he is a black man he is um, an American actor and voice actor best known for the voice role of the DC Comics character Cyborg across various films cartoons and video games now for those of you old ears out there or those of you who grandma babysitted you <laughs> he is also known for his live action performance on General Hospital and of course The Walking Dead so again Calderon comes from good creative stock like rah, rah. <laughs> now Calderon's uh, name the name Calderon is in reference to a character Calvin Cal Durham who was formerly a henchman of the supervillain Black Manta and he was sent to infiltrate Atlantis but pretty much succumbed to the will of the Atlanteans so that's a kind of a nice little nod there that they've taken Calvin Cal Durham and kind of altered his his name, his character, and has his new namesake as uh, Cal Durham, who has affiliations with Black Manta, which we'll get into over the course of this episode. Now, Cal Durham was subsequently adapted for the DC mainstream continuity by Jeff Johns, and I'm going to, okay, again, you're talking about good stock. Jeff Johns, who is a comic book writer and screenwriter, uh, some of his work in television is the Blade series, Smallville, Arrow, The Flash. He also was a co-producer on the Green Lantern film that was in 2011. Now, I'm not going to hold that against him because that was not good. <laughs> uh, but he also produced uh, Justice League in 2017, which, okay, 
cool. And he co-wrote <laughs> the story for Aquaman in 2018. Uh, the screenplay also uh, for Wonder Woman 1984, which hasn't even come out yet. So, he's, he's good stock nonetheless. <laughs> so, he was adapted by Jeff Johns and Ivan Race. And I believe it's Race, R-E-I-S. Now, Ivan is a Brazilian comic artist. He's known for his work um, on comic books like Dark Horse Comics, um, Ghost, Marvel Comics, Captain Marvel, and DC Comics, Action Comics, uh, Green Lantern, and the Aquaman series. So again, like I said, coming from good creative stock, like this, this man has had a good, interesting run. Um, even more interesting is that I don't know that he's been handled by a black man outside of uh, Kari playing his voice acting, but I'm, I'm not going, I'm, I'm going to leave that there. <laughs> now, Calderon debuted um, under the, in the comics anyways, under the name of Jackson Hyde. This was in Brightest Day number four back in August of 2010. Now, really quickly, uh, kind of the short version, the Brightest Day, for those of you who don't know, it is a comic book crossover from DC. It spanned from 2010 to 2011. It was a year-long maxi-series. Maxi-series is 12 issues, where limited series is uh, 6. Um, it was a maxi-series that began in April of 2010, and it was a whole bunch of tie-ins, pretty much an event. We know that when DC and Marvel and all other, well, specifically DC and Marvel, when they have their events, every single book tends to tie into these events. Um, yeah, so the story follows the ending of the series Blackest Night, and how the aftermath of these events of Blackest Night affects the entire DC Universe. Now, I don't want to get too deep into that event, but just kind of uh, give you a chronological order so you can know what was going on in DC Comics around this time that he was created. Okay, now uh, Calderon, much like Natasha from last week, has been created and handled by some great creators in the comic book and animation industry. Uh, I'd like you guys to leave a comment in the comments and tweet me using the hashtag CBNPod and tell me where were you first introduced to Calderon or Aqualad if you were introduced to him that way. Um, and if this is your first time hearing about him listening to this issue of Carefree Black Nerd, let me know that as well. Again, my handle on Twitter is Carefree Blurred and all that information will be in the show notes. So again, uh, tweet me and or, and or leave a comment in the comments and let me know using the hashtag CBNPod. When did you first become aware of Calderam or Aquaman as it is, Aqualad, excuse me, as it is. Okay, now... For the behind-the-scenes DC editorial publication-ish stuff. So his first appearance was in Young Justice. That was um, an episode titled Independence Day. Um, and his first comic appearance was in Brightest Day number 4 in August of 2010. Like I said, his species he is an Atlantean-human hybrid. I don't know why, but Atlantean and Atlantis has always felt very regal to me. And it's probably because of that um, Atlantean Disney movie, but... Whatever. So, um, his place of origin is Atlantis. His team affiliations are Young Justice, Teen Titans, Justice League. Now, in in his appearances ju in Justice League, oh excuse me, in his appearance in Justice League, he goes by Aquaman at that time. Um, aliases: Jackson Hyde, Waterboy, and Calder. Now, his abilities: Calderon has superhuman strength. He can adapt to underwater environments. He can swim at superhuman speed. Uh, he, he possesses hydrokinesis, which I take it as a sort of kind of telekinesis, but water-based or enhanced underwater, I'd say. Uh, he also has bioelectric energy blasts because, of course, you know all black superheroes have to have some sort of lightning or electricity powers like... Uh, it's just, I guess, just what they have to have. Shit. Now, um, he also has hydro swords that can shift into a shield and various other weapons. Uh, they have him listed as a natural born leader and planner, a master strategist, 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 lord strategist, and also a master of deception and duplicity. Yeah, so... Yeah, he's he was an interesting character. I was happy to see him when I first started watching Young Justice way back in the day. Okay, now Jackson Hyde has been shown to possess the ability to breathe underwater. 
as well as enhanced strength. He can adapt his eyes to see in the darkest of the ocean bottoms. <laughs> he features gill slits on the size of his neck. And this is to allow him to extract oxygen from the water so that, of course, he can breathe and not drown. He also appears to demonstrate hydrokinesis, which I mentioned before, which uh, they have listed here as the ability to increase the local specific density of the water and then manipulate its shape. So where I was liking, I likened it to more so telekinesis. This is more physical, uh, of course, with uh, manipulating water and the density of it. So, I mean, that's 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 cool. <laughs> I've seen them do that. Now, um, this is very similar to Mera, for those of you who are uh, remember Mera, and the other citizens of Zebel. Uh, he is later given a pair of water bearer weapons, which allow him to focus that innate power that he has uh, and create shapes of weapons with that water. Now, in addition, he is able to discharge powerful bolts of electricity. Like I said, black people in comics have to have some electric powers. Um, Calderon is also mentioned as having an immunity or like some sort of resistance to poisons. Because uh, remember, well, remember, those of you who've seen Cheshire once put, um, tried to poison him, you know, put it to the test. So that's that. So that's kind of the uh, limited backstory. So now we're going to get into the actual meat of this man's history. Now, starting with the Young Justice version, because that's where he did appear first in the animated version of himself. Now, Young Justice, the animated series, he was first seen as the protege of Aquaman. Now, later, he was unanimously elected by the team to be the leader after their first mission together. Now, going through this, I remember watching Young Justice for the first time. And for whatever reason, I had stayed away from, well, no, I won't say stayed away from. It took me a while to get around to watching Young Justice. I remember I was watching it on Netflix and I was hooked immediately. And I don't know, I think it was so surprising for me because at that time I had stepped away from comics then I had just gotten back into them and I was working a very demanding job like third shift. And so my time awake was very limited as I had to rest and prepare for the next you know night of work. But I remember getting into this show and like... Over the matter of maybe a week or so, or a few, or maybe two or three, I would watch an episode before I went to bed. Like it was just, it was this whole production. But I remember being introduced to Calderon that way and being so interested and so excited for his character. I man, this man, check out Young Justice if y'all haven't. <laughs> now, um, in the second season of Young Justice. He uncovered that he was, in fact, the son of Black Manta. Now, because that character was originally created for the animated series, that character being Calderon, um, excuse me, before he was being brought into uh, the brightest day in the comics, he has a very different origin from his counterbook from his comic book counterpart. Excuse me. Now, uh, with this. He is a citizen of Atlantis in the animated series who developed his powers in a about a year or so. And that was after studying that Atlantean sorcery, which I guess Atlantis in DC's depiction of it is more or less like a King Arthur and the Knights and the Round Table type of um, type of Game of Thrones-esque uh, show, but underwater. So yeah, so so after studying that sorcery, um, he still maintained his birth name of Calderon, and he does not use the Jackson Hyde alias that was created for the comics. So this version in the animated series was just Calderon. Now he's portrayed as the most mature member of Young Justice. There was an episode, uh, Downtime, I believe, where it reveals that he and his friend Garth, remember Garth uh, from before, had saved Aquaman's life during the battle with the Ocean Master. Now, Aquaman offered to take on both of these teens as his protégés, but Garth chose to remain in Atlantis to continue his studies in sorcery, while Calderon chose to travel with Aquaman and become Aqualad. Uh, he also had interest in a girl named Tula, who became involved with Garth after Calderon left Atlantis. And the thing about this is it's so interesting is that that kind of story is pre-Young Justice. 
So when we open up on episode one of Young Justice, we get the events going forward. When we get this episode, it's kind of sort of, it's happening in real time. So in the chronological order of the show, but all of this that I just went through is things that happen both on the show and have happened prior to the show starting, so to speak. Like these are things that have already happened. So it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's another soap opera. That's what it is. <laughs> now. In season two, titled Young Justice Invasion, this this season was set five years later from the events, uh, from the end of the first season. Now, Calderon is, oh, and this was so good. Like, okay, so before I even get into that, when I, I remember watching the first season and wanting the second and then getting that second season and then the way that Calderon was presented DC DC animation the the cartoons and and cartoon movies are always stellar but they have a way of layering a lot and it's it's just good storytelling that's what it is so uh, I'll get into it you'll see what I mean so he's working undercover with Black Manta they have him set up as the villain and it's very jarring cuz it's like no this he wasn't that in season 1 but then you're like 5 years have passed so who knows what has transpired, but then once it comes out, you know, the truth comes out, it's like, okay, a sigh of relief, but they did a really good job at setting this up. Now, he's he's a undercover, he's working undercover with Black Manta, and this is for Nightwing, so he can find out who the Light's partner is. Now, the Light was this organization, which, you know what, I'm not even going to get into it. You need to watch Young Justice. Watch it, and you'll know. <laughs> Though some of it will be spoiled for you in this lesson, so sorry about that. Now, he need to find out who the Light's partner is. Now, in this episode titled Depths, Depth, Depth, D-E-P-T-H-S, Black Manta sends Calder and the Manta Men to disrupt a satellite's launch, and this is a Ferris, um, Ferris aircraft. Now, this is where he and Nightwing, uh, fake Artemis, Death, in order to put her undercover as Tigress. So it was a lot of covert spy 007 born identity type stuff going on in season two. So good, so good. Now in the episode Darkest, Aqualad, Tigress, and a team of supervillains trick Impulse and Blue Beetle to Mount Justice, captures them along with Beast Boy, and destroys Mount Justice with a bomb. It's later revealed, however, that he secretly gave Nightwing a tracking device. Now, this corresponds to a tracker that he injected uh, Lagoon Boy with. Now, in Before the Dawn, Miss Martian confronted and mentally attacked Aqualad as revenge for his supposed killing, quote-unquote, of Artemis. Uh, but drops into a state of guilt when she learns about him and Artemis' plan, their undercover mission, because everyone wasn't privy to what was going on, or else what's the point of it being a secret mission <laughs> and shit. Now, after uh, Miss Martian succeeds, excuse me, uh, Artemis manipulates Black Manta. Okay, so let me take a couple steps back. So, Miss Martian, feeling bad, because of course she went in, though doing her job... <sighs> That's a, again, this is just good writing because you, you get this scene, I remember this so clearly with her like fighting him in his mind and it coming out what the truth was and her having to kind of cope with that like very immediately and long term because you've realized that you've hurt a friend. Though, it, man, it's just, it's good. Y'all, it I'm just going to be gushing about Young Justice, but so she, she slips into this guilty state because she learns about the undercover mission. Now, Artemis showed up and she was very shocked by <laughs> what Ms. Martian had done and she escaped with Aqualad. Now, he was in like this very uh, catatonic state. Um, for those of you familiar with um, Generation X, it's like the state that Monet St. Croix would go into uh, in the earlier issues of the series where she was like unmovable and like they say, catatonic. <laughs> Excuse me. So they escape with the catatonic uh, Aqualad. Now, Aqualad pretends to still be in this catatonic state. And this is to keep Black Manta from killing uh, Miss Martian. And 
Okay, let me see. I'm trying to make sure I get this right because I'm I'm going off of what I've you know kind of uncovered and researched, whatever. And I'm also going off of memory of the actual uh, show. Cause it's so good. And uh, okay, so she he pretends to remain catatonic. This is to keep his father at bay from killing Miss Martian. Um, and then he also helps to arrange her escape. Now, later, much later during a summit, this is a summit between the Light and the Reach. Um, Black Beetle. Artemis and Aqualad's cover is revealed and Miss Martians disguised as Deathstroke. Uh, they all fake their death once again because, again, it's comics. Why not fake your death? Uh, Aqualad reveals the light's enduring substantial uh, betrayal of the Reach. And this is via a hologram. Like, this scene was so intense, man. Y'all, look, watch the show. Um, Aqualad ends up defeating Black Manta. And soon after, it's revealed that he had also been uh, the one who defeated Deathstroke. Now, Aqualad is made the leader of the team again. This is by Nightwing, who soon leaves in the wake of Wally's death during the defeat of the Reach in the season two finale. So again, spoilers, sort of. Now, uh, in the third season, Calderon is taking his mentor's place in the Justice League as Aquaman 2 as he co-leads the league with Wonder Woman. So that's what I was saying before. When he is part of the Justice League, he is Aquaman. Okay. Now, uh, with with this like rich history, we get a lot of that on screen, which is very different or very unique to not unique to him. What's well, it's, it's yeah, it is because I think the same thing happened with Harley Quinn. But it's so few and far between that you get a character that is birthed on the animated series but then is like thrown into the comics it's usually the other way around now for those of you who do know Aqualad Calderon from Young Justice let me know again another question for you guys in the comments and tweet me using that hashtag CBN pod do you like his depiction in Young Justice why or why not um, I know there were kind of mixed reviews. I remember some people really being for him and others being like, oh, he's such a Boy Scout. We don't really care for him. But I'd like to know what you guys think. Let me know. Do you think, I'm assuming, do you like Calderon's depiction in Young Justice? And um, it could be any season. It could be all seasons, the first season, second, third. It doesn't matter. But I'd really like to know um, if you liked it and why or why not. We have arrived with the final shipment of proletarians. Congratulations, my son. Thank you, Father. Initiating phase two. I had not believed Nightwing until this moment. You did not want to believe! None of us wanted to believe this! How could you betray us? You dare question me? After all of you let Tula die! Calder, that was a mission. Aqua Girl knew the risks. No one wanted Neptune's beard! Don't coddle this traitor. He has joined forces with our king's greatest enemy. Do you mean the king who hid from me the true identity of my father? That was my error in judgment, Calderon. No one else needs suffer for it. All will suffer if Black Manta demands it. Blood is thicker than seawater. Calder. Just you and me, old friend. No! It's a regular reunion special. Fine. You can take me down. Or you can save everyone from this bomb. I am told the yield is quite impressive. You have two minutes. Father, congratulations, son. Now, getting into his comic book history... Ooh, a very different version of Calderon <clears throat> debuted in Brightest Day, number four, August of 2010. Now, this coincided with the appearance of Aqualad in the 2010 Young Justice animated series, though he was first introduced in Young Justice. He, in the comic book continuity, that's what we'll be discussing going forward. He is a teenager from Silver City, New Mexico, uh, Jackson Hyde was taught by his parents to fear water since he was young. Uh, they do not want him near it because his true parents would be able to locate him. Not to mention certain changes happen to him when he gets in the water. Now this, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this origin. My only question is what happens when he takes a bath? 
does he not shower? Like, that's the that's the biggest question in my mind. Now, Jackson kept this secret uh, hidden for years. He would lie to his girlfriend about being afraid of drowning, being unable to swim, being in the dark about his mysterious tattoos. Tattoos that he has had since birth. Like, he was a child with these tattoos. And uh, now, before going any further, I do want to mention that in the animated series, he had a girlfriend or a crush, Tula, and in the comic book version, he had a girlfriend as well. Um, I did start off this episode talking about how he is a gay character. He identifies as gay. Uh, and I guess the question would be, well, wouldn't he be bisexual? Well, with comics and with DC and Marvel and the way they reboot and rename everything, there have been iterations of him. As we clearly see, there was an animated version and there's a comic version. Uh, there are many different kind of iterations of characters throughout the years. So, though he started off as a assumably heterosexual character, we will get to the whole reason as to why he is gay. And I can confidently say that he is, he does identify as a gay man. Um, so, I don't want any, like, confusion there. We'll, we'll kind of sort this out towards the end. Okay, now... The tattoos he had since birth, so that's that. Now, Aquaman is later contacted by Entity, which tells him to locate Jackson before a second unidentified group. Now, this group is speculated to be Siren and her death squad. Okay, so Jackson Hyde and his on-again, off-again girlfriend, Maria, are first drawn into the events of Brightest Day after they witness Deadman, Hawk and Dove activating the White Lantern Battery. Now, this battery has landed in Silver City, New Mexico, after the events of Black as Night. As the battery begins to speak to the heroes, the tattoos on Jackson's right arm begin to glow. Now, Jackson is seen outside his house during a rainstorm where he displays his abilities for the first time, which, that's another question. Yes, you want to keep him away from water, but man, he has to take a bath, a shower, brush his teeth, and then there is the weather. It rains. Like, how is this his first time? But I digress. <laughs> now, um, as he started to control the water from the rain, his tattoos and his eyes began glowing again. Now, at this point, at this point, excuse me, he is revealed to possess gills. Ooh, now how frightening would that have been? Like to think of this in live action. And he's been taught that water is evil or whatever else. And his parents have been like secretive about all this stuff. And you know you're kind of drawn to the water. You don't know what it is. You go out in the rain one day after your tattoos have been glowing. And you get gills on your neck like, bruh. <laughs> I couldn't imagine. Um, yeah, so not only did he get gills, but he got webbed hands. Like, what is going on? <laughs> so it is also revealed that Black Manta is actually his real father and that Mera also has some sort of connection to him so Mera of Aqua Aquaman fame now after witnessing Jackson in the rain his adoptive father takes him to a cottage by the sea the father then tells him that Mera had given Jackson to him asking that he keep him away from his parents and that he was given an Atlantean chest to be open when the truth is discovered. Which is like, what if they had made it to like his 40th birthday and then the truth came out? Man, you talking about mad, I'd be pissed. So, before the chest can be opened, Black Manta along with Siren and her death squad, they attack. Of course they do. Now Jackson, using his ability to create hard water constructs like the swords and shields and whatnot he defends his adoptive father but cannot oh, so sad cannot stop black manta from shooting a trident shaped dart at him which is like i mean it's on brand but dramatic much you shot a dart in the shape of a trident what do you what is going on now jackson's adoptive father would have died if not for aquaman who blocks and crushes the dart. But still, a trident... Sh Bruh. <laughs> now, Aquaman gets Jackson and his foster father to safety, where everything is, is explained. So now the chest is open, and this activates a map, which is like, again, this, 
so com- like why not just have one thing <laughs> I guess it wouldn't be comics if it wasn't just a bunch of mess so the chest is open a map is activated now using the map the two discover a sealed chest okay so bruh they're told about the truth the chest opens a map is activated Using the map, they discover a sealed chest that only Jackson can open. Like, what is this? What is this? Panic room, escape room. Now, once the chest is open, Jackson is shown a recording from Mira, which is Mira, okay, who explains that his father and mother have been kidnapped and tortured by the people of Zebel. Uh, Zebel, X E B E L, um, that is an extra dimensional Atlantean penal colony. Now, the, while they were exploring the Bermuda Triangle, now that's uh, where the gateway to the colony is located. Now, Zebel's king had ordered that the child be the first um, outsider born there in centuries be experimented on. So, again, okay, I'm about to walk y'all back through this. I know it's redundant. He's told the history of, explained the history. He finds the chest. The chest opens and activates a map. Using the map, he discovered another chest. And in that chest that only Jackson can open, he showed a recording. And a recording is about his real parents who were kidnapped and tortured by the people of Zebel. Zebel, which is an extra-dimensional Atlantean penal colony, while in the middle of the Bruna Triangle, which is where the, the gateway to that colony is located. And they had to escape because the king had ordered that that child be experimented on. What the fuck? Bruh, comics. This is... This is what this is what we go to the store week after week for. This this mess right here. <laughs> okay, so he asked the king wanted him to be experimented on in order to serve as a key that would finally free them from their exile. Uh, now fearing for the child's safety, Mira had stolen the baby and brought him to the surface world where uh, she gave him to the foster family that ended up raising him, which is like, okay, just is there any paperwork? Mm. Now, she also reveals his true name, which is Calderon. Now, once the recording is over, Jackson discovers several items which Mira had left for him, which is like, oh, God. <laughs> Most notably, a soldier's uniform uh, from Zebel and a pair of water bearers, which are the metallic constructs that help him to control his water manipulation powers, uh, which you'll see in both ver- in both iterations of him the animated show and the comic book now aquaman and jackson ultimately end up in uh, miami florida which is of course why wouldn't you like water-based uh superhero yeah you're gonna go to miami uh, <laughs> now this is where black manta and siren are leading an army of warriors from zebo in a full-scale invasion now, Jackson successfully used his water bearers, and this is to create blades, which he uses to fight off the attacking troops. Like, bruh, you got it. Um, he even briefly holds his own in a duel with Siren. And think of it, okay, think of it like this. All this stuff he didn't been through already. Then he puts on these metallic chains or whatnot, and he's able to control his powers a bit more. He has not been trained in using his abilities. He's had these be a secret from him for ever in a day. So for him to be able to hold his own against Siren and able to um, fight off a lot of this army so well, it's like, God, that's a testament to how powerful he is. And just think about how powerful he can be with the right training or with just knowing his body a bit more, a bit better with the powers that he has. Like, man, come on. This this man is badass. Now, after Black Manta severs Aquaman's right hand, Jackson attacks his father and berates him excuse me, for siding with the people who killed his own wife, only for Black Manta to throw Jackson to the ground and coldly states that both he and his mother mean nothing to him. It's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> now, just as Black Manta is about to kill his son with one of his blades, I'm sure it was trident-shaped, <laughs> Mera arrives with Aqua Girl. They save Jackson by kicking his father square in the face. Okay, no. Now, after using his bioelectrical abilities to cauterize Aquaman's wound, because, like, bruh, you have no hand. 
uh, Jackson and Mira are able to work together to seal Black Manta, Siren, and the rest of the invaders away in the Bermuda Triangle. I'm tired just listening to that. (laughs) Now, as the heroes celebrate, Jackson is shown to be harboring a crush on Aqua Girl, which is like, bro, you just just met her, but, I mean, I get it. Uh, Afterwards, Mira tells Aquaman that Jackson wants to continue his training, which why wouldn't he? Uh, Aquaman tells her that he has already contacted the Titans, and there we go. You're, You're going to be a Titan now. You're a Titan now, Harry. Okay, now after Damian Wayne, who for those of you who don't know is the son of Talia Agul, which there was a two-part episode on her, uh, and I'll link that in the show notes. Uh, Talia Agul and Wayne, uh, Bruce Wayne, excuse me. Now Damian Wayne joins the Teen Titans. Um, a vision of Jackson arriving at the Titans Tower and confronting Superboy, Wonder Girl, Beast Boy, and Kid Flash is shown as part of a collage of the future events. That will affect the team. Okay, so moving forward a bit. In September of 2011, the new 52 rebooted DC's continuity. Again, guys, remember, this is comics. Like it, And then the big two, especially Marvel and DC, things will be rebooted and reshaped and moved around like it ain't nothing. Jesus Christ. So the new 52 rebooted DC's continuity. In this, Aqualad does not appear in this timeline, which, okay. Of course not. In May of 2016, however, DC Rebirth readjusted DC's continuity. So we're going to hold off right there. Now, this is pretty much his history, um, animated and comic book version. And uh, I like this character. He, I think, probably is most notably or famously known from the animated series versus the comic book. Uh, So... Which is cool because a lot of kids would have grown up watching him on the on the on the uh, screen, so that when these new creators get onto these companies who've grown up watching them, he'll have a bigger role going forward. Fingers crossed. Now, going back to the whole sexuality of it all, this is a queer character. Uh, as we said, he liked uh, Talia, not Talia, Tara, Tula, Tula. Some whatever in the animated series, they had a girlfriend Maria in the comic books, and he also had a crush on Aqua Girl. Now, all of that happened. I'm not sure what is considered. Can- I'm 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 sure that the comic version is considered canon, but the reboots and updates and reworks become uh, more canon, so to speak. So, with all that being said, we're going to end his history with this here with the new 52 now in the new 52 reboot like i said um he he was nowhere mentioned i'm sorry in rebirth so in may 2016 dc rebirth readjusted dc's continuity which as you do now in this timeline the jackson hyde version of the character is reintroduced but as a gay teenager um visibly looking more like his young justice counterpart because the difference and forgive me for not mentioning young justice he's tall brown skinned blonde haired kind of like a low fade um uh, very muscular athletically built just a fit guy same that can be said for the comic book version but he does have like these dreads these locks he's you know you know looks like every other black man in comics you know so uh but in the comic version of Calderon in DC Rebirth, they rebirth him to be more le- more like the Young Justice animated series version, which is cool. Keep that continuity again for kids who grew up watching Young Justice. When they get their hands on comic books, you'll be able to see this character looking just like he did in the animated series, which will be easier to follow. Now, of um, in this timeline, they have him looking more like he did in Young Justice, and it is mentioned that he displays a near superhuman talent for swimming um aqualad will be joining the team titans after the team encounters him while exploring the san francisco bay for a mission so again uh most most recently he has been not retcon because this is like a whole new continuity but he is an out gay character there is an issue um where he comes out to his dad black manta and it's such a funny uh, funny, I mean, because Black Man's is like, ah, that's trivial to him. Like, I don't give two fucks who you, like, are with or in love with or what your sexuality is. Like, 
he, you know, I'm your dad and I hate Aquaman and that's what's most important. And it's such a funny, I remember reading those panels when it first came out. And of course, people had their issues and their their anger with uh, with the gay stuff and with him being a queer character. But I mean, shit, you know, it, representation is what it is. It's not going anywhere. People aren't going anywhere. Um, yeah, so, okay, so other appearances. Um let's see he appeared other versions rather um there's a version of aqualad that appears as part of the ubernet teen titans justice league in the pages of red robin <laughs> the restaurant um jackson hyde appears as aqualad in the prequel comic to injustice 2 where he's agreed to represent the oceans and joins batman's efforts to repair the world after superman's tyranny um, later, it is revealed in this continuity that he is allied with Raja Ghul and assassinates the president after Blue Beetle accidentally destroys a number of endangered species. Okay, thanks, Blue Beetle. <laughs> now, in other media, television, um, Aqualad originated, of course, as the main character in Young Justice, and he's featured throughout. Uh, he's voiced by Kari Payton, as I said before, and in the third season, he becomes Aquaman. Aqualad makes a guest appearance in Teen Titans Go, again voiced by Kari Payton, in the episode Let's Get Serious, which is a crossover with Young Justice. Um, he accompanies Superboy and Miss Martian in talking, taking the hive, um, as the Titans were too silly to do it the correct way. <laughs> uh, let's see, what else? In film, Calderon is seen alongside Garth and Aquagirl in the corrupted timeline events of Justice League, the Flashpoint Paradox. They battled Deathstroke, but they are overpowered. Later, he reappeared in the final battle with the Amazons, but in this continuity, he is presumed to be dead. In video games, Aqualad appears as the main character in the video game Young Justice Legacy, which is set between Season 1 and Season 2 of the Young Justice TV series, so within that five-year period. Um, Kari Payton, of course, reposes his role and is the voice of Aqualad. Let's see, he's also a playable character in the Lego DC Super Villains um, game. This man is very important to the culture. <laughs> he needs to be protected at all costs. He is a very prominent character. He is visibly uh, very different from others. Uh, there's not many black people uh specifically black men when you put it ratio to white characters that are in the dc comics featured prominently uh i think they would do well to have him appear more uh yeah i, I don't know but you y'all know how i feel i'm always a uh a sucker for these characters being uh featured more prominently now let's see um on the big screen of the DC Universe app, I asked you guys earlier, uh, what do you think about this character, Calderon, uh, being live action? You know, he's been in these comic books, he's been in these cartoons, but could you see him in a live action role? And then who would you see playing his role? For this, I'd have to go with, uh, I'd say Kofi Siribo, Siribo, I'm... Oh, forgive me for butchering your name, but from uh, Queen Sugar, he is young. He was born in '94, so he's a young guy. He has the 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 height, like he's six two. He's a melanated man. He is a brown man, um, and I just think that he has the range to play the character and to do a really good job. And again, with him being younger, and with whatever DC decides to land on as a um, as a mission or a phase going forward once they get consistent um, I think that he'd be able to uh, continue on and really with a lot of these actors like why wouldn't you want to attach yourself to a Marvel or DC or comic franchise where you're going to kind of sort of be guaranteed this check for a while for at least a few movies or TV shows and I'd like to see him in titans as well right alongside all the other titans uh starfire specifically to see these two <clears throat> brown characters interacting that would be amazing uh so yeah so that'd be my pick for a live action version 
of Aqualad Calderon, and I'd like to see what they do with that character. Like, he doesn't necessarily have to be who he was in the animated series. I mean, he could have had a blonde hair or not. I could live, take it or leave it. Uh, probably would want it at least for a bit, some kind of way to to uh, reference the original source material. But whatever y'all decide to do would be fine. I, I would like to see him. Um, I just, I really think he would do well. So, uh, assuming you guys left your comment to my earlier question, do you think that he uh, would do well as a live action character and who would you want to play him? Uh, go ahead and hit me up on Twitter as well, Carefree Blurred. Tell me who you would want to cast as Calderon in a um, live action version. If he had his own, I don't know, series on DC Universe, if he appeared in the Arrowverse or on the big screen, let me know. Because, you know, essentially he could be Aquaman. And then to see Kofi and uh, uh, Jason Momoa on screen together, bruh, that, like... <laughs> but yeah so leave that comment guys and tweet me carefree blurred use that hashtag cbn pod and let me know i'd like again to make this a conversation now um guys now with this issue let me know was this interesting to you did you learn anything new uh did you know anything about calderon aqualad aquaman 2 uh is this new to you or is it like oh no i knew about this guy you know either way i do want to thank you all for listening uh, again, follow me on my social medias. My Twitter is carefreeblurred. Uh, Instagram and all other social medias is carefreeblacknerd. You can email me at carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. There are tons and tons of other shows in this Carefree Black Nerd feed, so go ahead and check those out as well. Um, happy Pride Month, everyone. This is the Pride series, so to speak. Um, also, be sure to subscribe to the show on your podcasting app of choice and sites and whatnot. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and everywhere else, hell. And, of course, go on to BYNKRadio.net in that podcast section where you will find Carefree Black Nerd and another, another other great uh, podcast as well. Uh, and while you're over there on your local podcasting platform, please be sure to give me that five-star rating. Leave a review. I'll be sure to read your review on air, of course. And uh, until next time, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky, and happy Pride. We are allies, not enemies. Any conflict between us only benefits our true opponents, the Justice League and their sidekicks. Calderon is quite correct. Agreed. We must not allow petty disagreements to drive a wedge between us. Gratitude, Calderon. But Calderon killed Artemis. If she lives, and in disguise as his lieutenant, then that means... That means Aqualad duped them all, including his own father. <laughs> I cannot comprehend this betrayal, Calder. How could you? I admit to being conflicted, Father. I have seen your noble side, but you left me no choice. As long as you waste your gifts on villainy, I will stand against you. It seems I have been too permissive. Clearly, boy, you require discipline.